it going there, everybody? I am Charlie. I am joined, as always, by Duke. Duke, holy shit. How are you doing, man? Not too bad. It's uh, just big chilling today, you know. Uh, shit. It's, I was going to say it was my birthday, but it's technically not. It's fucking midnight, so chalked. <laughs> Zero out of ten. <laughs> Wrestle Dream lasted too motherfucking long. No, uh, you know... This is going to be our Wrestle Dream post show. So if you guys are, this is your first time checking us out. This is a little different. We just literally go from the beginning to end of the pay per view. It's not our normal traditional eat, sleep, leap program that we do. That should be coming at you tomorrow, right, or something yeah, like that. Exactly. So if you guys are interested in sticking around and you like what you hear, be sure to hit that like, subscribe button, follow us, check us out. We really appreciate it. So that being said, we just got to talk about the overall vibe right now. And dude, Adam Copeland is all elite. He has just joined AEW within the last 20 minutes. Duke, I, you, you've talked before about your, your past with edge and your past and you know, just, just let the people know right now. How, how are you so feeling? I, like, so this be is how this went for those of you that don't know, because I believe the edge came back in the pandemic, right? Originally, uh, in WWE, um, when he first returned to wrestling, right? Yeah, it was the Royal Rumble. The, the two months before the pandemic, but right. he wrestled so he came back, in the but, pandemic. But yes. the, the the actual WrestleMania where he would have had his big match with Randy, presumably, yep. if they if he and he was also injured, so they could have had the match anyway. Obviously, but you know, if, if things had gone differently, obviously that was the plan. You know, for him to have a big match in front of a crowd. Um, first of all, yeah, I'll just I'll talk about the history that I have. So there were two wrestlers when I was growing, well, three wrestlers really when I was growing up that I was like super into. And I've talked about them on the podcast before they were CM Punk, Jeff Hardy and edge. Those were my three guys for the longest time. Um, and you know, through all the years that I watched wrestling, well, CM Punk fucking quit at one point, I think, but he had already kind of taken a back seat as far as the main event scene by the time he quit anyway, in my opinion, I mean, he started to get back into it, but I think anyway, I think everyone knows what I mean. Um, but, edge all the way up until what was it 2009 or something like that when he retired no it's probably later than that but it's not the 2011 whatever year it was that edge retired um i remember being devastated because he was like my favorite wrestler to watch for the longest time i think one of the most iconic feuds in wrestling is him and the undertaker i think was going into hell in a cell or something like that or something like one of those kinds of matches and they just feuded you you know those uh charlie those undertaker feuds that they would sometimes stretch out across the whole year actually because i got some legs oh out yeah of it. Literally, it was like that back when he could still go. So it was incredible. Like, um, and Edge was obviously at the top of his game. Edge is one of those retirements, like him, Paige, and Brian Danielson. They were all like way too early because everyone know they still had a lot in the tank. You know, um, now they're all in the same company. <laughs> literally, <laughs> um, and so you know, for me, this is just like I, you know, I'd heard the rumors, but I just didn't really want to buy into them too much because it's kind of like it's like all the CM Punk rumors for so long. I, I didn't want to buy into them because if I did and then they turned out not to be true, then I just felt like I was getting burned constantly. Whereas if I didn't buy into them and they don't show up, then it, I don't feel any different. But uh, so like, and it's been kind of like a rough like last couple of weeks for me. If people don't know. I had some. Uh, rough shit happened a couple in the last couple of weeks that kind of you know made life a little bit more in perspective and like um i think i just needed something good in my life and this pay-per-view was just perfectly timed it was on my birthday you know i don't know if tony khan knows about our podcast but he doesn't realize it but he gave me the best birthday presents he possibly could have been probably the greatest technical wrestling match of all time and maybe maybe the biggest debut since cm punk in AEW history I, I'll even say this right now. I think this was the best debut they've done in terms of someone like out of all the debuts that we've had, you know, we always go back to the, I believe it was the, uh, it was double or nothing or all out the fucking, you know, the Adam, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson back to back. That to me was the best. I think the way that they set this one up and the way it delivered. You know, what's crazy. Christian Cage was in that main event too. God, Christian, Christian Cage is so fucking good. Oh Yeah. That'll be fun, but I think I think just the vibe right now is is very it's very positive about AEW, and I just I'm so glad that this happened. And God, he kept the fucking the theme's no different. It, what does it say? You think it, you think you know him instead of you think you know me now? So it's like, yeah, and they may have that other part, the other thing cop, like copyrighted or something. And, and I already like, saw. Some I, I bet that's on a T-shirt or something that they sell, and that's why they couldn't say that. But you know, like, that's pretty cool. So in in the rated R superstar was a dead trademark. So. 
clearly they picked that up and uh you know they're already selling a shirt with it his graphic that tony khan posted said rated r superstar so it's like that's uh little things like that and holy shit edge came here and he's surrounding the tnt title the tnt title Three months ago, four months ago, was God, a I can't wait to talk about. Joke. Should we just talk about the main event now? Because I kind of want to talk about everything with the main event. To be honest with you, just like because so much in that last, like, but even before Edge came out, so much was going on. So much like, has gone down, and and just in general, like, like the TNT title today, it it means so much more than it did four months ago, and it was in the absolute shitter, and now it's in. It was such a hot program and it's such an exciting like thing with now you have Adam Copeland showing up in AEW and it's like are we gonna get Adam versus Christian Cage? I mean I had the highest full gear for this TNT title. Like, are you kidding me? That sounds awesome. Especially if Edge like, comes in hell? and instantly wins the championship. That'd be incredible. Oh my god. I, I, that would be fucking awesome. Um bro, let's let's run through this zero hour real quick. Yeah. Let's we'll, let's get through we'll, let's we'll get, get through on this. Stuff. Yeah, so it'll take us a while to wrap back around, but tr- say we'll we'll be back to that same energy. I'm sure when we get see? to the main. Oh event. yeah, you guys, you guys don't want goes. We got to save the best for last. Um, zero hour kicks off. We have a really nice uh, Antonio Noki, uh, kind of like uh, tribute uh, from Tony Khan, and his sons are out there, and they immediately cut to Christian Cage, who's got a big cheeky grin on his face when the segment's over. <laughs> Jesus, uh, we get our first match of Satoshi Kojima, Keith Lee. ROH Women's Champion Athena and Billy Starks, they defeat Shane Taylor, Lee Moriarty, Mercedes Martinez, and Diamante. This was just a generally pretty quick match to get the crowd going. Athena hitting the O face on uh, Lee Moriarty was pretty badass. And, I mean, Keith Lee and Shane Taylor, they mentioned many times about their former tag team that they had. So, pretty oh, Billy Starks making the pay. How about that? Billy Starks, good for her. Billy Starks and Nick Wayne booked. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to Nick Wayne. We'll get there. We'll get to that son of a you know, bitch. This, this is all about Kojima here, really, right? So, but yeah, this was just a fun little, you know, the crowd's getting in. You know, there's just not much there, right? You got anything a uh, little... Uh, no, it's just, it's just a fun little opening yeah. match, you know? Let's get things, get things popping, you know? Claudio Castagnoli defeats Josh Barnett, and commentary did a really good job putting over that, you know, it, what Anoki and Josh Barnett, their relationship was. And kind of what they mean to this business where Josh Barnett was really this more uh, f- fighting style, like a UFC, right? Do you know the last match we saw that was like this was uh, Filthy Tom Lawler versus uh, oh, who was it on New Japan? It was some other fucking guy like that that's like also like, oh, shit. It's it the might guy have been Josh Barnett. WWE. Was it Josh Barnett? It was either Josh Barnett or Darren Young's uh, indie name. I forget what it is. Fred Rosser. Uh, Fred Rosser? It, yeah, it might have been. Yeah, him. I think that might have been. It. When, anyway, they, where they did a more fighty type style. Yeah. And that was a really great match too, but we were like, yeah, I've never seen really anything like that before. <laughs> it's kind of different. I think that must be what they do in Bloodsport or something. What I took away from this, I was like, man, I really like Moxley on commentary. He's putting over Do, do we have to check out Josh Barnett's Bloodsport now? Is that what we have to do now that we've seen this? I mean. Hey, I I think we, I we unintentionally watched it last year or this year. Uh, Kota Ibushi and Speedball. Yeah, so, so we, we saw some of it this year. Uh, oh yeah, we definitely caught yeah, a bit of it um, because our, a couple of our guys were on it. But I mean, you and know, I gotta know after this match, you know, Claudio get, picks up the win. Josh grabs a mic. I I honestly think he kind of went off here, and I don't know if this was planned. I think he just said, "Fuck it, I'm putting this guy over," and you know, maybe he put himself at an angle for a future match. And Claudio deserves that, in my opinion. I, I think that was really nice for Claudio and. You know, if this this was going to be a lot of people's first uh, experience with Josh Burnett, and I think it was a it was a good experience. Yeah, I, I had no expectations going in, but I wasn't disappointed. So, Luchasaurus defeated Nick Wayne. Uh, Nick Wayne's mom was here, and Luchasaurus was just beating the ever living shit out of him. Uh, Nick had a few kind of like spots of hope, but they were briefly, you know, ended by the dinosaur. Um, but yeah, uh, Luchasaurus, yeah. He, he's still booked very strong, and it does not hurt Nick Wayne to take this loss, and we'll... Bro, Nick, pa- Nick Wayne got caught in a Jurassic Park film. <laughs> he fucking did. And Nick Wayne had a very, very big night, so we'll be talking about him later. Oh yeah, we'll get to that little son of a bitch. And then the AW Trios Championship, the acclaimed and daddy-ass defeat TMDK. Yeah, just, you know, uh, uh, the acclaimed 
Max did his thing. He had a couple uh, good lines. He made sure to... Bro, every time we watch a bad Dave Tito in a match, don't I always point out that I feel like he's, he always stands out? Like Honestly, he I does. I feel like every bad Dave Tito match. He does, though. He's good. He's Mac, good. Uh, Bring him in. Caster had to make sure Tony to Khan, get his... Uh... Sign him out from underneath Obari again. Fuck Do it. Damn it. Ruin the relationship. Pull a WWE. This trio would kick ass in Ring of Honor. I mean, genuinely. And you could just... Oh, yeah. You I... know? A lot of these guys make the flights anyway, so fuck it. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Send but uh, Bowens hit the arrival. Give a little bit of Robbie, Robbie, Robbie as well. Fuck it. And it was Tito that took the pin. So, and then we jumped to Wrestle Dream. Uh, Excalibur and Nigel McGinnis and Taz are the opening commentary team. Already, I'm like, if Nigel's the guy on all show, I count me the fuck in. And sure enough, he was. Uh, we get MJF, who's facing the Righteous, who he calls a bunch of devils reject dickheads. They said he's going to body slam Dutch and Vincent's dreadlocks in a bow and shove them up Dutch's ass. And I would say this was a, this was a pretty fun opener. I, 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 I think MJF, the Righteous did not look strong. That's what I'll say. They did not look strong at the end of this match. They, they kind of got their asses whooped. Yeah, they kind of sacrificed them to the wolves, unfortunately. Which I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to hurt them on Ring of Honor. But I don't like. It's going to feel when they go back to Ring of Honor and they don't get featured on AEW TV, yeah. and it's going to feel like. And I'm not going to. It's going to feel like they got redemoted, even though I think if Adam Cole hadn't gotten injured, they they might have won these titles. It, honestly, it might have like. been more competitive, and maybe they were just like, ah, we'll do what we got to do. But man, these guys looked like total fucking geeks, if you will, and. Just did not look strong, and I, I'm not going to use the term "buried" here, but I could definitely see people saying that. No, no, I won't go there. I don't think they got buried. I think I think they got. I think they they were considered expendable in this feud yeah. if things hit the fan. Which I only. I, I think I think if that I think if Dax Harwood got injured, right? Yeah, I think, and they had to do a similar thing. Say it was reversed, and it wasn't them; it was the tag, the main tag titles. They probably just wouldn't have the match on the show. That's usually what they do with the main titles. But in this case, they didn't, and they may have had you know cash do a similar thing. But I, you know, I I think they probably um they probably do a similar thing where they would just sacrifice whatever the Aussie Open in this case to the Wolves because you don't want to take the titles off the person, but you also don't want to have them lose like because then like then then everyone can say and it has to be a part of every storyline going forward that oh they won the titles in a handicap match is it really they really won the title yeah. it's like well and they'll just reply well we beat the AEW world champion it's like well yeah, there you go fair enough you know it's smart to where they position this match because i think if this was anywhere else in the card uh it would have gotten fucked like there, there's another match that definitely felt that uh maybe too but yeah i mean mgf is you know he's the the 80s babyface and he's 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 fun with it and i don't think this is a match that is must watch but it, it's enjoyable right yeah i would agree with that we'd immediately, immediately take a turn to a must watch match where we have eddie kingston facing off with katsuyori shibata for the roh world and new japan strong titles i'm gonna let you take the lead on this one what what'd yeah. you think of this yeah so this uh this match i'm gonna describe as a love letter to japanese Ooh. wrestling it was um it they hit each other hard as fuck um there was a ton of homage and reference to anoki as well as just you know the wrestling of you know um of like new japan which obviously anoki helped to create and innovate because he helped found the company i think actually i would say he founded the company um i actually don't know that specifically but i think that's what they said anyway um uh, you know, this to me, like something I was going to uh, send to you in, uh, but I was paying attention to the match. So I didn't end up typing it. I was, t I was typing it out was, this was like, basically kind of like, uh, cause Shibata is like, you know, obviously the one I would say Anoki probably mentored the fucking closest considering he's the one that trains everybody. Now Shibata is Anoki now, you know what I mean? Not in the way that he doesn't run a company, but you know, like, I don't think Anoki did anyway. I think he was just training the wrestlers toward the end, you know, like, um, Shibata has kind of inherited that legacy and, in a lot of ways, even though all Japan isn't really around in that same way anymore, I think Eddie Kingston has gotten the nod of he is the American, you know, extension of Giant Baba's legacy, you know? So this was kind of like the modern Giant Baba meeting with the modern Inoki. It was kind of crazy, like, you know, like... Yeah. God. At least the American version. I'm sure there's a bunch of Japanese wrestlers that are like, you know, Junakiyama would probably be like, excuse me, um, actually, <laughs> I was actually trained by the people that were trained by him, so fuck off, but... 
you know uh and to me it was like it was like everything i wanted it to be because they did the head drops on like the all japan style they did the judo throws that dude that one judo throw that was just like the leg sweep that they i think they usually call it like an sto type move over here but the way they did it was just a straight judo just trip and it looked like exactly like what i've seen you know like have you ever seen footage of judo i've only randomly just seen like a clip of it here or there but like um for martial arts tournaments and that's exactly what it looks like when he was talking about like how you normally there's a gi that you can use to your advantage there like that's yeah anyway that's, that's like stuff i love taz or little stuff like that um this match was about fighting spirit spirit charlie yes, yes uh, it was the bushido fighting spirit which is the core of japanese wrestling um and in like a lot of Japanese wrestling style, hard, hard hitting matches, Eddie Kingston couldn't just finish him with an Uriken. Had to finish him with an Uriken and a Kawada bomb where he folded him up for the win. Beautiful match. Katsuyori Shibata was not able to successfully establish the American Triple Crown. But God damn it, Eddie Kingston on a fucking roll. He is seriously on a roll of a lifetime. And. It really hits me sometimes when we get these Shibata moments. Like last week on Ring of Honor, you know, he's facing Nick Wayne, and then... It's hard to argue with what fucking Tony Khan said. He might be the greatest champion of wrestling shit. And then, and then we get this, and it's just like, holy shit, Shibata's really fucking, basically full-time AEW. Or, or Ring of Honor, if you will. But you know, however you want to consider it, he's basically full-time, and... I remember saying to you when they first brought him in as champion, it's like, if he just does a few dates here and there and we only get him at the pay-per-views, I'm fine with yeah. that because he's obviously working Especially with Especially when Japan they were doing heavily. the tapings, how they were. But if he somehow works it into, like, loving working for Ring of Honor and ADW and he ends up being a regular here, then I'd be so happy with that. And that's where we're at right now, dude, and it's fucking glorious. This match was a lot, a lot of fun. So, would, uh, would highly, highly recommend that one. Up next, we had Chris Statlander defeating Julia Hart to retain the TBS title. Um, this was the first match I felt a little bad for in the spot that they were in. I was like, ah, shit. What are they going to be sandwiched between? Luckily, I think it worked out in the long run, uh, what they were sandwiched between. But when it, when they first came out, I'm like, oh, man, that match, you know, I, I, I was so fucking good. I just, I, <laughs> all my energy was like, Yo, how come we can in? have a 14 match card, right? But only one women's match. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, literally. One women's and one mixed And tag. not even the main world title. No disrespect to Chris Statlander, but that is a secondary title, you know? It, it is. It, it can't not be. There would be no point in having two if there wasn't a distinction, you know what I mean? So, like, I, right? Like, uh, Yeah, you got to get it featured more. Um, they need to, uh, yeah. We, we had a really long discussion on the state of the women's division uh, a couple weeks ago, if you guys are really, if you guys are interested in that. Where we spent some time, because it, this, this is another example. Athena, you know, I know she was on the pre-show, but if she was defending that title, you know, would have been uh, that much more badass, just for example. I thought this match was pretty good. I thought Julia Hart, this was her first really big moment here, if you will, in terms of a singles match on a pay-per-view, which is about all you can ask for. Um, Chris Statlander is fucking phenomenal. She is so good. Honestly, I feel like she never misses. (laughs) Um... There were moments that was kind of the reputation she was building up with us as viewers when we were first yeah. watching. That's why we were kind of so sad when she was on this. Again, we talk about it. Jade's think about how many things Jade would probably still be in AEW if they'd have been able to do that when they wanted to. It, the writing is so clearly on the wall, yeah, now, or would have so so clearly on the wall, clearly at that, that time that she was like, if we can't get this title off me, so Jade must have felt the same thing I was saying. I mean, I think you started to understand what I was saying too a little bit more when we looked back at it. But like it's and no offense to Jade's title reign, it was just so little, and so not to dis not to completely pivot and talk about that, but like it's just kind of relevant because it's been stuff happening in the last few weeks. But it's just so obvious how right they were to want Chris in that spot at the time, and I mean, you know, it just sucks that it took you know like a fucking year or whatever it was yeah, after that to get to it yep. or something like long term injuries. And you know, I I wonder going going into this match, I was thinking, fuck it put the thing on julia she's she's finally getting over she's on this streak if you will but that was not the result they went with and when it was over i was like okay yeah, bro, house of black doesn't win what do you mean I, I, I was i was okay with it because i was like you know chris statlander if she is in a position where she can bring out some of these other stars like a julia and you know maybe we'll see next who she goes after and if other people are getting other opportunities to become stars 
going to help grow the division in general. So, in Julia's first time, I mean, her moonsault is fucking money. So, when she was lining up for it, you saw the crowd just standing up. So, she's got the big... Bro, honestly, there was a second when I thought that when she hit it, and it looked fucking great. And I was like, oh, shit. And just they just got the foot on the rope. But I was like, shit. I, I thought, though, for a second, you know, like, hey. Yeah. she At, at the end, she locks in her heartless. And Statlander ends up hitting her with a tombstone followed by the Sunday Night Fever. So she fucking basically double tombstones her ass. And, uh, yeah, it, that that was a very strong finish for Statlander. Up next, we had the, uh, it was the Four Corners uh, tag match for the future AEW tag team title shot. Where we had the Young Bucks, the Guns, the Lucha Bros, and then Orange Cassidy and Hook. Uh, Ray Phoenix, he, uh. Hopefully he's all right. Um, he was he was in and out quick, and there was no word on it. As far as I know, up to now, there's been no word on that. And um, hopefully Phoenix is okay. And uh, you know this international title reign is doesn't get off to a really rough start. And you know he may say he's got to get rid of it on Wednesday because I think he's earned this title shot. Or he's earned this title, and I, I would like to see him have a really badass run with it. But getting that out of the way. The guns, is it safe to say, Duke, they finally feel like they belong on this stage compared to a year ago? I think ever since they have started to, I think them getting the nod to join Bullet Club Gold recently, because they were very good in the lead up to when they last had their feuds with FTR and all that stuff, but they were missing something, and we would always say that. Yep. We couldn't tell what it was, but there was just something that was, you know, it wasn't like when they got put back with Billy Gunn, it wasn't that. When they were tied up with the acclaim, or, you know, the acclaim were just making them better, but it wasn't like making them more likable, you know, like or more over. They were just, they were just there. Being a part of Bullet Club Gold, now I feel like it gave them extra confidence, and I feel like now they just go out there and they do all the same stuff that they did before, but they do it and they do it like with I don't know purpose or something like that, and it feels different. I don't know what I how to describe it. Maybe it's just they are now in the proximity of the right people that they need to be for people to see them in a, in a serious light. Um, but I, you know, I, I have to agree with you. They are just, they're finally hitting that level that I think they always wanted them to be at from, from jump, yeah. you know? And they, they feel, you know, like they belong. I mean, uh, for a good example I could point to was this week on, uh, I happened to see on SmackDown where they had John Cena out there and, and it's always a good test. Like, is someone going to look weird out there with John Cena? Sometimes you can tell guys don't belong. Well, LA Knight came out there, and that motherfucker felt like he belonged. And I honestly feel like the guns have earned their spots. And I thought they did good in this match. They were the key sellers in this match. They were the ones making everyone look good. And that was that was not a not an easy task because this match was a little bit a little bit too crazy at times. But yeah, it was it was one of those nonstop pace matches. It... It's kind of like the indie style of like, oh, we don't have a ton of time. I mean, I'm sure they had time, but like, we don't have like as much time as we would on like an indie, you know, six man, eight man tag or four tag team tag match. Like, uh, it just, it, uh, it felt like, I don't want to say it felt like there was something missing, but I just, I don't think it clicked the way it should have. And maybe Phoenix being gone was the reason. Maybe everyone was like, oh shit, what do we do now? And everyone was working well, on Well, yeah, the I mean, fly. when there's somebody that's, you assume, because it felt like at the beginning they were teasing up Cassidy versus Phoenix a yeah. little bit, which they probably need to run that because obviously Cassidy lost it, not to Phoenix, I don't believe, or did he lose it to Phoenix? I can't remember. Yeah, he did actually. I forgot. He didn't lose it. We thought he would. That's what it was. My brain's broken. But yeah, they probably do need to run that back again because I'm sure they could have an insane match. But I mean, like, yeah. you know, um, but so maybe the build was in the match was around that. So they just decided to just do everything. Fuck it. All the moves. And we have the Young Bucks end up getting the victory here on... Speed run every move. Speed run them all on Penta. So they got the BTE trigger for the victory. Um, a Nick uh, slipped uh, right before the finish. And I, I just, I know they're going to give him a bunch of shit for that on BTE. It's going to be pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> but I saw people... You know, this this might be an actual problem. It, it, we'll talk about it tomorrow. But I saw people be like, what the fuck belts are those guys holding? And it's like, son of a bitch. It, it, that's the only some problem you get sometimes with your main stars holding these things. But whatever. We'll we'll talk about that more tomorrow. We got You got to take the lead on this next one, man. We have Swerve Strickland and Hangman Page. Our hype level going into this has been pretty nuts. 
Oh, yeah, this has been one of the ones that when we first heard about it, we were like, oh, you're going to put one of our favorite guys against one of our other favorite guys? Okay, let's see where the fuck this goes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, I love my relationship as a fan with Adam Page because I fucking hated the guy when I first saw him, if you remember. Like, I did not like Adam Page, mostly because I was on Team CM Punk and it was kind of kayfabe but, like, also, I just, I don't know, I, there was a lot of negative press about Eggman for a little while there, you know? um an empty-headed dumb fuck but um <laughs> but i mean you know uh the i wonder if he ever heard has he ever hear me i heard that there's one this one podcast keeps calling you an empty-headed dumb fuck they think they're funny but they're not anyway um but yeah no i mean the uh it's just like a great back and forth grudge match man like i feel like both of them put like all their like effort that they had into this match, and I think they both showed this shit. Like they put it all out there. They did everything that they can. That they know how to do every move, every sell, blah 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 blah. And they, they like I said, they they were selling everything. Everything was like being sold the shit out of, you know. Um, and the crowd was going fucking insane during this match. Like they were loud during some of the matches. This was one of the first matches I remember noticing. Like holy shit, they are losing their minds right Swerve now. Is like, a damn baby face in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Um Nana was threatened with violence at one point. Um yeah, so I was going after the arm trying to take out the buckshot. Yep. And um, which which ended up working out very well for him. Yep, a hundred percent, because he got hit with a buckshot that wasn't quite so effective at one point. Um, Such, there see. was so much smart wrestling tonight that oh this is really yes, where in, in my opinion the the pay per view kind of took a bit of a turn. Like Yes, this, agreed. This Everything from here on out was Swerve's, pretty pretty insane. I, I feel confident. This was probably my favorite match I've ever seen with Swerve outside of the Lucha Underground match, and the one with uh, with Dante yeah. Fox. Yeah, and I that one was insane. Like a, a lot of my I, let me clarify singles match because a lot of my favorite yeah, stuff no, with agreed, Swerve agreed. has always been a lot of multi man or it, his stuff mm-hmm. with Keith Lee and the yeah, tag was was excellent in AEW. Bro, that, that run they had as tag champions is so they had no business being Absolutely. that good as a tag team. What the fuck? But like he he got um, something out of Hangman here that I just I it felt so good to see because God Hangman has delivered a lot this year, and it, oh, it, yeah. this was just so nice to see. Hangman's delivered a lot, and man, he's been humble as fuck. He has not won a ton of these pay per view matches that I can remember. Like. Maybe he has, and I just haven't realized it, but as far as I can remember, he hasn't won a ton on pay-per-view this year. If you go back to the year where he was champion, bro, even after he lost the title, he was still winning a ton. Like, I, the, maybe there is something to what Swerve was saying, that now that he's... Maybe there's been something Charlie baked into the background of this story that we haven't been realizing that TK and the fucking Gigabrain Elite have come up with, that, that maybe being with the Elite is actually bad for Adam Page's career maybe it's not like maybe it's good for him personally maybe he's better off mentally right because he's with his friends but maybe maybe they take a little advantage of him i don't yeah I don't know. hey you could there's always something to play with there um god uh if swerve immediately elevates to our main event scene it's gonna feel pretty fucking awesome just, this felt like a number one contenders type it feud it doesn't have to be but it could be and i would be happy to see mjf versus swerve at Volgear. thank you i'd be happy for that i'm happy with mjf j white May, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll see what's Triple going on with Jay White, but uh, he might have his own problems uh, showing up, uh, beating the crap out of him after Dynamite. Um, so, yeah, I just, uh, I, I total thumbs up for me. I, I, on, there was a second there when Swerve was just hitting him with fucking finishers after finisher, and then until the last little bit where he hits the multiple kill shots. I, I was getting a little worried, like, oh, no, are we going, like, Super Cena fucking Hangman? Because this guy is kicking out of everything. And then he hit that buckshot where uh, the, the worked arm couldn't go through. And I think this ended up being a very dominant singles victory for Swerve, his biggest victory in AEW. And this should propel him to the top of the card. And there's been a lot of guys this year that we feel that way. And uh, one of them happened to be next, where we had Ricky Starks taking on Wheeler Yuta. Ricky Starks, he had the program with MJF in December. Ever since then, he's been constantly featured, whether it's beating CM Punk three times, being featured with Danielson, you know, uh, the original Bullet Club feud with Jay White. Ricky Starks has constantly been in motion, and uh, 
him and Wheeler Yuta had a really, really tough spot here. <laughs> they were sandwiched between Swerve and Hangman, which is one of my favorite matches of the year. And Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., we'll just talk about it in a second, which might be my favorite match of the year. So, <laughs> they were kind of fucked. And I was a little zoned out of this, but Ricky Starks did really well here with uh, Moxley on commentary, really trying to put over, you know, what Yuta can do. And he needs to, Yuta, he has to undergo training. And a big part of Yuta's training is not immediate results. Right, It's what he can do in two to five years. And I thought that was a very important line by Moxley. And I think that establishes what the future of the BCC is. And uh, yeah, just any any other thoughts you had on this match? But uh, Ricky Starks won with the Rochambeau. It was technically clean because Big Bill really didn't do anything. I mean, so the my biggest takeaway, I think, from this match, other than that it was really fun and... Um... The open-handed strikes that uh, I think it was Ricky was using, it might have been Wheeler, um, they have, like, this is something I noted down in my notes, they kind of have, like, a double use. They're great because they look good and they're different than, like, regular, like, punches and stuff. They also sound great, though, yeah. and they get picked up on the mics really well. So um, so that's just something that I, I thought I'd, I'd point out that I always appreciated about that. Um, it was also a pretty funny moment where Ricky was walking on the ropes. He did his, like, little rope walk spot, and Mox had to tip it. He was just like, yeah, I mean, that's really cool. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Mox was off the Zazaruni in this fucking commentary, bro. He was fucking gone. I'm sorry. Um, Dude, the amount of times he dropped F-bombs or shit. Bro, the Seattle weed was strong. Fuck God damn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gotta respect it. Um, we all saw that clip of him. Anyway, um, but yeah. So Wheeler went down here. I think the hint here was so that was say my biggest takeaway. I think I think maybe he's heading toward a match with Mox, maybe. Um, like, a, like a big pay-per-view match, uh, potentially, or maybe, maybe, I'm maybe, in. yeah, I'm not sure if, if, unless, one of our you collision know, main events, or you never, these collision main events know. are big deals because these guys get 30 minutes and that, that's oh, yeah. like my give favorite me, thing. Give me something. Like I, I, I'm fine with him feuding with the BCC for a bit. The BCC seems to do that with a lot of people anyway. So, you know, Oh boy. Um, by the way, guys, the, uh, whatever's happening in the, uh, press conference post show scrum if you will uh we are recording this long before that so they like probably just got started so if, if maybe there's some crazy breaking news and we're not hitting it here it's because we just we don't need we say five words to each other before we start this show because we just want our fresh thoughts fucking boom 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 okay yeah the only thing i said to charlie before we started this episode was Adam, Adam. it's time Brian Danielson, Zach Saber Jr. I we had been kind of messaging each other pretty much all day at random times, just talking about this match or what it could be or just it. It's been a long time coming, and uh, I'll just say real quick before I give you the floor here. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, we were supposed to get this match at not not this past year's fucking um, uh, Forbidden Door, the year before. Yep. So insane about yeah three fifteen months ago fell through so we ended up doing Okada this year which was pretty fun but Danielson got hurt this match th- this was truly something fucking special this was one of a kind um I I just <laughs> I couldn't believe what we were watching and. You know, a lot of people will talk about, oh, how certain matches have rewatch value for them. I, I know for a fact for me, you know, when AEW is posted on Max and we can go through and watch our pay-per-views, the first thing I look up is going to be Brian Danielson, Zack Sabre Jr. Because I want to watch this again. I might just have to go through Brian Danielson, MJF, and like and, and like a few others, just entire catalog from these last few years. Because I saw all the matches, but I want, it's like I, I want like to see, see them, them again, right? Well, I also want to see them because, like, sometimes I'll have issues with my feed and stuff like that. And I want to see, like, everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I just, I think what these guys did, you know, at one point, John Moxley mentioned it's like a Johnson slinging contest about who can be the best technical wrestler. And that's why maybe they're not doing certain things. Like, you know, he didn't kick the shit out of him at one point because he wanted to put him in a certain lock. And, you know, between Nigel and Moxley, you could tell how geeked out they were getting over this match. And I really felt that energy myself because I'm sitting there 
watching this on my computer, my sister's, you know, kind of next to me. She's kind of not really paying attention. She's, she's watching, but you know, she's more focused on Taylor Swift at the chiefs game. And, and I'm just, I'm sitting here glued to the fucking screen about every little counter and every little minute thing that they're doing together. And I just, I loved every little bit of this. And I, I just, I gotta know what you think. Did this deliver up as the two best technical wrestlers in the world? going at it because in my opinion i feel like it 100 percent did yeah so i mean you know uh i think so um and so let's just go through some of the stuff here like they had the feeling out process each one was trying to see what the other one was going to do you know and they did the mml mma style stuff that you would expect the control of like side the side control type stuff and the mounting and the you know striking from a mounted position blah 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 there was this vibe, Charlie, throughout the match of anything you can do, I can do better, man. I'm gonna, you're gonna put me in a fucking normal plot. I'm gonna put you in a fucking normal plot. You're gonna put me in a cobra twist. I'm gonna put you in a cobra twist. You're gonna put me in a, in a juji katami. I'm gonna put you in a juji katami. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it was incredible. Um, the focused attack on the surgically repaired arm, and I loved the emphasis they kept putting on the fact that being that your arm is surgically repaired, yes, that makes it stronger, but it also makes it weaker because that's a leverage point you can use against somebody in a fight now. Like, it just is. You could break somebody's arm easier using that leverage, I assume. I don't know if that's bullshit. I don't know if anyone has any medical well, science who yeah. knows how that works. I don't really care because it sounds cool. And the Close, two different so it, it doesn't really matter. you could tell because so, and with, with Moxley, he was, uh, Putting it up as like, yeah, it's steel. Steel's always going to be stronger. Where you had uh, Nigel really saying, oh, it's brittle. You know, it's this is where you got to attack him. This is where he's weaker. And it was really cool because you could see both of their philosophies like colliding. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my fucking God. It just makes me want fucking Nigel versus Danielson so bad. I'm probably never going to get it. But I just, oh, so God. If the, if, the, if the universe can give me one present this fucking birthday, that would be it. Somehow Nigel comes out and says, no, I'm, no, we're doing it. We're doing it at full gear. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But, you know, I mean, it'd be incredible if it did. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, just uh, what they, they were doing the joint manipulation. Uh, Ryan had this one incredible roll through at one point. I don't know what he rolled through, but he rolled through into a like a single a single leg crab at one point that was super tight, and it was like I don't even know how the fuck he did that, but that was insane. Like, um, I unmitigated violence. That is the way you could describe this match. Um, they just were. I mean, the, we haven't even talked about the. There was a sequence of submission trades. Actually, there were several, but there was one in particular in the middle where they were just flip this, you know, pinfall over here, this, that, flip, flip around, do a fucking side control, do a omoplata, do, you know what I mean? Like, it was insane. And uh, there was one point, Charlie, where every person in the arena was on their feet while they were still wrestling because they were just so into what was going on. And I've seen that a few times in wrestling, but not, not a ton. Like, it doesn't happen all the time. It's usually like a main event thing. And this was like smack dab in the middle of the show, you know, well, maybe not in the middle, middle, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was in the middle of all the action and it was still getting people on their feet. There was a, a one point where Zach, I believe, started just like slapping Danielson, <laughs> and um, that didn't end well nope. for Zach. He got paintbrushed. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, the only thing I took away from this match, besides uh, Mox being off the Zaz, is he's getting fined. Oh yeah, he even mentioned he got fined on the pre-show. <laughs> dude, when he put the mic down, he's like, "Beat his fucking ass!" It's like, dude, we can still hear you. <laughs> Uh, Mox don't give a fuck. He makes that fucking money. Uh, Danielson ended up winning with two psycho knees, and uh, uh, Nigel had a brilliant line where he's like, "Well, he didn't win using a submission, so Zach's still the best technical wrestler in the world." (laughs) Run it back. Uh, uh, People have been pointing out. I I remember I had saved a tweet from Melter where he said, "This will go down as a legendary match," and I was just like, "Holy shit, man!" I really think it yeah, will. Yeah, is there any way this doesn't get five stars at no. least? And they kept comparing it to this generation's version of Enoki versus Robinson as they were at that time the two best in the world going at it. And we've known for a long, long time of what these two are capable of. And, you know, hopefully one day it, we have another version of this in 25 years between whoever or 20 years between whoever. And, yeah, it's really uh, – this felt special. I'm definitely. I'll tell you who it's going to be in 25 years. It's going to be Daniel Garcia and Nick Wayne. I'm I'm in, and I got to tell you, I just I already can't wait to rewatch this match. Like, 
I, I already can't wait to rewatch this. I this was truly old, decrepit Daniel Garcia, fifty years old, still doing the dance. And having Danielson had his moment there with Aubrey, who was infamously seen in the crowd when Danielson retired from WWE. Uh, she was seen crying in the crowd, and now here she is, you know, all these years later, holding them up as the victor in this dream match against Saber, and really special moment. And um, I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, up next, we had the Don Callis family taking on Chris Jericho and the Golden Lovers. I felt bad because I feel like uh, my mind just wasn't 100% into this match. Because what we just witnessed between Swerve and Hangman and I, how much I love that. And then the Danielson Sabre match. I mean, I was so absorbed into it. And honestly, I kind of felt like the crowd was a little similar for the first beginning bit here. And, um, you know, Kota Ibushi in AEW has been booked like a literal fucking God. The guy beats his punches. They must break jaws. His kicks, they break backs. Kota Ibushi's the strongest motherfucker. He's going to pick up Brian Cage and, and just fucking body slam him and pin him on 2-3. That being said, he's still losing. It's kind of funny. Uh, Kenny Omega 0-5 since Don Callis left. That's uh, an important note to follow. Uh, there was a lot, a lot of stuff here, whether it was Jericho and uh, Guevara getting their stuff in. We had some Ibushi Will Ospreay that I really liked. Omega Will Ospreay, of course. And bro, Sammy running over to Taz and like being best buds of them it, for for two reasons. I love that one because fucking it was hilarious, and you can see Taz was just like get the fuck away from me, like what the hell are what you doing? Fuck, yeah, but, like but you could also tell that Taz like there was. I remember like the vlog shit that happened where like we weren't sure if Taz was mad at fucking Sammy Guevara or not. Obviously they're chill, you know. I mean, it was just, they were doing that for fun, obviously, you know. Oh, of course. Um, but yeah. Uh, any other thoughts you had on this one? I mean, I that. The Don Callis family. Other, other side, not actual part of the match. No, Taz got roasted the fuck out of by Nigel, bro. <laughs> he was calling his ass ugly, bro. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, gotta do what you gotta do. Anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, um, the Don Callis family matching gear was pretty cool. Give me all the singles max variations that we haven't already seen, please. I love the little golden sex god spot. That was funny. Um, the powerbomb German spot was insane. People were getting dropped in their heads. Jericho kicking out at one from the co-breaker. Bro, when Kabushi and Kanosuke squared off, Charlie, I got fucking chills, dude. Holy shit. It feels like um, Master vs. Apprentice almost. And it, like like it does when Kenny squares with him, because they literally are. Abushi needs to needs to pull an Obi-Wan and show him that he's he needs that he's that and Kanosuke needs to be like, I did not kill Kanosuke Takeshita. Or you did not kill Kanosuke Takeshita, I did, or something like that, you know? Um you know, because Obi-Wan was a good show. Anyway, um <laughs> uh no, it was just a really fun match. Uh I remember saying on the podcast, I would not be surprised to see Don Cal's family win because I feel like they've been losing a, de- a decent amount, you know, and but maybe I guess not. I guess Kenny Omega's lost them like maybe Apparently he's lost five consecutive matches. I didn't realize it was like that, but it, they haven't all been to them, obviously. But like that's just that's a, that's wild. Kenny, I, I want to see Kenny cut a promo where he's like disheveled and he doesn't know what the fuck to do with himself. It's like maybe Don Callis was right, you know? Maybe, maybe I do need him. I think that'd be a great angle. That would be a great way to continue this. Uh, yeah. So none of that, uh, not that stuff there. Up next, we had FTR taking on Aussie Open, where they ended up winning and retained the AEW Tag Team titles. Um, the crowd seemed pretty into this match, especially towards the end. Um, but they, they were definitely tired at first, because those last two matches were well over 45 minutes combined. So, they're, they're you know, they were a little tired, because they were going all out for Kenny and stuff. And, you know, I thought... It's so hard because we, I had actually just recently rewatched FTR as the open from Royal Quest, and that match is so fucking brilliant. That was a mistake because there's I know. no way this was ever going to live up to that. As much as I love both teams, that match was a once in a lifetime thing, probably for both and teams. Like. Yeah, it, it was uh, a lot better than this one. But that being said, I don't think this was a bad match. But I got to tell you, I just, I wasn't in love with this one, and I don't know why. It felt like, Again, maybe 
Maybe it's I, I think position. it genuinely was the energy lost from the last two yeah, matches, it, it, bro. I think we just by the time they got here, having AAW has gotten away with putting five insane matches in a row at the end before, which they didn't do here. It would have been four, but you know what I mean. And it's been fine before. I think at this point, everybody was ready for Edge. And, I, and they knew we were going to have to get through this whole match. And they wanted to root for FTR. And they wanted to root against Saudi Op- Aussie Open. But I think, I think one, I don't think they let this few cook enough. No. I feel no, like it was kind did. of. They definitely did And not. that that might be part of the reason why. Because we know when FTR is really into a few with people, even people they're really like, you know, not like that great against, they could still get something going. I mean, remember them against um, Sanjay, or not well, Sanjay, but against uh, Jay Lethal and. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, Jeff Jarrett and even that was people were that was over with the crowd and they were in the middle of the show then too so I mean like yeah I don't know if I don't know what was going on here to be honest with you and and maybe in a vacuum when I rewatch this match I'm gonna love it I'm gonna gonna enjoy it that much more sometimes you just actually have to uh but they 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 definitely at the end here it Hey, if the if the AEW to fucking Max rumors are true, then we'll be eating here soon anyway. I and mean, you'll have to take me on a tour of all the incredible pay per views that I never got to see. Just, just take on a go on a journey to the Atlantic. Um, uh, hopefully Mark Davis is okay, and it it was just uh you know selling like a god, and he didn't actually crack his wrist. Yeah, I, I hopefully none of the people that were like injured were actually injured today. <laughs> yeah, but if they were, then you know, Phoenix is the one I'm I'm a little cover. worried about because he that motherfucker was gone. Uh, quick, but yeah, I just uh, FTR Aussie Open, and it feels so bad to say that because I love these teams and they're so fucking good. But I don't know, maybe the it just maybe maybe a little. I didn't fully see it that way. I did enjoy the match. I I wasn't like fully vibing with it. Okay, I think I was just like I said, a little too like low on energy by this point. Yeah, De- I mean that's definitely um, a, a big thing here. I mean, we just went from. The Super Shatter Machine was a great spot, though. I, yes, I gotta say that. And I even wrote in my notes it was incredible from Bell to Bell. So I think I, I liked the match. I think my notes reflect that. I think I just... By the time we got here, may, maybe it needed to be somewhere else, but I don't know where else I would have put it. I couldn't just tell you that off the top of my head. And I don't think whatever you would swap it with would fit better here either. So I almost think that I really don't needed know. to be at the beginning. Uh, that that That's where I'm at. I think that six-man should have been like... I think the Ring of Honor tag titles are opening every show until MJF and Adam Cole lose them. Not even kidding. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. All right. Yes, Fletcher uh, lost to the sh- uh, Super Shadow Machine. And FTR retained, setting up FTR Young Bucks 4, most likely at full gear. Here we go. Christian Cage, Darby Allen, TNT title, two out of three falls. The- First of all, TNT title being in the main event, fucking kudos, because I think it's earned it, and, you know, we talked about the international title being the... Let's be real, this was the main event because fucking Adam Copeland, let's be honest. No, like, no, I think yes, it's earned it, too. Yes, the TNT title can main event, I think it does, too, but I think, I think if, if it could still deserve it, and if Adam Copeland wasn't involved in this main event, I don't think they would have put it oh, yeah, there. That takes it to the next honest. level, and... I, I don't know if they would have main evented with, with uh, Zach and Brian. I, that's the only other one I could see. That's the only reason why I think that's why it got elevated was because of Adam. It's not because I don't think this match could have been. Yeah. I mean, there were just too many other insane matches on the show for it to main event those matches. It, but you throw in the edge of it all, then it makes more sense. Agreed. So we we start this match off where, you know, the, Christian is just such a fucking good heel. And he is just getting such good heat. I mean, these people fucking hate him. Darby Allen's the hometown Seattle guy. They all love him. Um, but we open with some wrist locks and headlocks. And I was like, okay. Um, Taz did a good job pointing out, you know, Allen showing Cage that he could indeed out wrestle the TNT champion. He went for a coffin splash that, uh, Pretty much nearly countered into a kill switch, but Allen pulled Cage's shirt over his head and got a flash jackknife roll up to steal the first fall. I, I, I love when we could get these like legit surprise fucking falls because that got me. I have said that for years about these two out of three falls matches is that if you want to instantly build to fucking hype for the next fall, you get one right away. Whether it's a roll up, whether it's a fucking cheat or whatever. You know, it's that thing and the thing that they did that WWE did once and no one can ever do again because it was so brilliant when they did it. Remember that thing I said forever ago when we were doing the old pod where I was like, 
Someone should just take a fall by cheating and then pin them after hitting them with a chair or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then they did it. They didn't use a chair. I think they just used it. Like somebody from the outside came in and attacked and it gave them a fall, but they were toast. And I was like, oh, it's a, you can only use it once though. It doesn't work anymore after that, but it was incredible. Things like that, small things like that could really like soup, you know, soup some shit up and make it slightly, you know, more interesting. Like AW is great at taking those risks. You know what I mean? Like not everybody would do that. How many risks do they take tonight, Charlie? And I'm not just talking about health because of the wrestling. I'm saying how many risks on things that they did with storylines that they take on this show? It's incredible. Nobody else would do that. Tony Khan has fucking balls. Yeah, I, I, honestly. Um, so after that first fall, Cage is, he's a fucking, he, he, he's very upset. He needs to regroup. He's, you know, staring down Nick Wayne's mom at ringside. And he gets a cheap shot. Uh, takes some control. He's, he's standing on Darby Allen's back, choking him in the ropes. Slow and methodical on his attack, you name it. Uh, he went for a top rope splash, missed, showing out. Uh, that allowed Darby Allen to hit a code red for a really close two count. Um, and O'Connor rolled into a springboard crossbody from Allen, uh, which was eventually chucked outside. And that allowed Christian to catch a breather before launching Darby into the barricade. Uh, Christian slowly walks up to Nick Wayne's mom. She had a smile on her face. She suckered him in and then threw a drink in the motherfucker's face. Um, Allen then flew with a low tope and a coffin drop to the floor and he tried to hit a proper one in the ring but Cage got his knees up Cage then sent him flying apron first uh, face first into the commentary table uh, he repositioned the ring steps as he fought on the apron with Allen who tried to charge but he ate an eye poke Cage superplexed Darby Allen onto the floor body slammed him on the steps and then finally body slammed him onto the apron onto the edge of the steps in a like I don't know how to describe it. He was just standing on the fucking apron. He killed Darby Alvin, as you, distri- as you describe it. He was actually, I think, clinically dead, and what Bryce Remsburg <laughs> was doing was actually physically reviving him. Uh, and there's, there's going to be a gift that lives in AEW Infamy forever from this fucking, how he dropped him. It was pretty fucking brutal. And that leads to a count out. Uh, so at, uh, the score is one to one. At this point, I mean, we're all, I, I believe Darby Allen's already living up to the, vicious, the viciousness at this point that we would expect from him, from him in a main event. You know, it's Darby fucking Allen. They do the whole medical shebang, you know, the doctors. Are- How is this, by the way, the first da- time Darby's main event at a pay-per-view? That's kind of insane. It is insane. I guess he's never been in the world title scene. That's why. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I, I often think maybe they could have main evented him in Punk in Punk's first match, but I just don't think, I, at the time, I don't think Punk wanted to. I think Punk wanted to just be, you know, send me out there in the middle, let's do our thing. Oh, yeah, easily you could have justified that show was in Chicago, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, 100%. And yeah. Double or Nothing, he could have main evented, but it didn't, so. Yeah, they could have had the main event, the Four Pillars, but they, they didn't do that. They had uh, uh, Anarchy instead, right? Uh, yeah. So, you know... Eventually, he's Darby's on the stretcher. Main eventer, Darby Allen. Yeah. Eventually, he's on the stretcher. You know, little time's going by. People are catching their breath. Um, Cage is ripping up the ring. The wooden paneling's being exposed. And, you know, we're still keeping focus on Darby Allen, and the commentators are really trying to make us, you know, understand, like, oh, all right, let's keep, let's make sure everything's good here. But you can see in the background, Christian's up to no good. And eventually, hits a frog splash onto the stretcher. He rolls Allen into the ring. Um, and uh, he hit a kill switch onto the wood, and Allen kicked out. Uh, Allen slid a – he sidestepped a spear. Cage locked in a scorpion deathlock. Allen uh, ultimately got to the ropes. He gauged the eyes, hit a desperation Scorpio death drop, and then hit a coffin drop. Cage kicks out. Allen wanted another one, but Cage wasn't letting that happen, motherfucker. He hit a sunset flip powerbomb onto the wood. Cage wanted a spear, but Allen stepped aside. Cage wiped out referee Bryce. He got a low blow, grabbed his TNT title, wanted to use it. Nick Wayne appears. He takes away the title. That son of a bitch. Nick Wayne's going on about, you know, he's doing this for his mom, his dad, himself. And he fucking cracks Darby Allen with the title. Cage fucking, he resurrects the ref like, bro, get up, get up. And he gets the pin. He get fucking Christian Cage pins Darby Allen in Seattle. He's got a new son. Bro. Nick Wayne has a new dad. Cage gives Wayne a kiss on the head. Hugs him post-match. He's standing tall over Darby Allen. And, and just before we get any further. Holy shit. What did you think of this? 
Well, first of all, I didn't think we were still getting edge after this because I thought this was the angle that they've swerved us all with. You know what I mean? That, that no one was expecting because AEW will do that sometimes and they'll pull something like this and it's as incredible as if somebody appeared. Maybe not as, but, you know, almost as incredible. You know what I mean? And I thought, I was like, wow, what a move. I did not see that one coming because as much as the seeds had been planted for a while, I didn't think they were going to pull it in fucking Seattle. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus Christ, but when else is a better time to do it? So, um yeah uh give me darby versus nick wayne give me nick wayne versus ar fox as a feud now give me nick wayne versus nick, nick wayne luchasaurus and and uh and, and christian cage versus darby sting and uh and ar fox as a trios match like you can do so much with so this much bro i was very very excited about this angle because i i have really enjoyed what we've been doing with this whether it's been Collision, Dynamite, you name it, I, I've really enjoyed the Christian Cage TNT storyline that we're getting. And I think this is big for Nick Wayne. This is the really big step in his career because now he can face Darby. He can do whatever he wants. He can take over this heel persona because I think he's going to make it work. I really do. He can come off as a cocky asshole, I think, and he can make it work. Um, You know... They're beating him up. Stings appears. Uh, I should say uh, Luchasaurus then appears after Sting. The, even, the numbers are just, it's too much. Christian wants the concerto. Lights go out. There's a video saying our feature presentation is shown. And then we see an unknown figure driving the streets of Seattle. We all know who it is. And then they hit the you think you know him. Metalingus Adam Copeland comes out. And it looks like he maybe is joining Christian. It's not the case. He cracks Luchasaurus, Nick Wayne, and fucking, uh, he doesn't get a chance at Christian, but he spears Luchasaurus. The rated R superstars arrived in AEW. He's shaking hands with Sting, shaking hands with Darby Allen. It's so fucking, it's just really, really neat. And, uh, AEW. Damn, Darby Allen was also at the last one of these things, wasn't he? Yeah, because Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus were out there. It, it was still, <laughs> yeah. So. Damn, the three of them, uh, well, Jungle Boy's not there, but the two of them have been at, like, and, well, the three of them, if you can count Christian, have literally been at both of these insane things. Like, what? <laughs> Bruh. AEW somehow manages to connect the dots, I dig two years later. That's, it's pretty impressive. But, there we have it, guys. I th- I was gonna say, do you think Tony Khan has a has like a lore master, like a Pablo Hidalgo was like the Star Wars lore master? But the, Tony Khan is the lore master. He just has like a fucking corkboard in his back room where he's got all these storylines interconnected. Like, I wouldn't doubt it. And um, so now we get to enter this next phase, this new era of AEW, if you will, where a rated R era, rated R era, and Adam Copeland's gonna be at the forefront of whatever we do next. You know what I'm doing with him immediately? This guy is going to be one of my stars at Collision. Oh yeah, I, I think that would be a that'd be a smart move. I it sounds like so I'm kind of just scrolling through now a little bit because you know Adam Copeland is going to be the first one that they're talking to. It sounds like they're saying he's full time, which which we would expect. And I everyone's just talking about how excited and how happy he looks. We've been saying Edge is one of those. He's one of those guys that's wanted to come he here. He has been wrestling like a miserable WWE wrestler the entire time he's been there. Let's be real. And he, that last match he had with Sheamus, it was fucking awesome. And I think we are about to enjoy this next like part of his career. And there's going to be yeah, because now that now the fucking chains are off, he doesn't have to wrestle the WWE style anymore. He can just do whatever the fuck he wants. Which which is what makes AEW such a fun little alternative product in my opinion it's why we why we love it fuck um and you know there's gonna be a lot of uh talk these next coming days about this uh there's gonna be a lot of salty people but you know at the end of the day we should just view it as look yeah um not not to be that person but uh we lost jade cargo big star in the women's division probably the biggest star in the women's division i'll say it probably the biggest star in the women's division but we caught one of the biggest male free agents on on the market right now yeah. So it's like a trade. Jade Cargill for Adam Copeland. And, and we fucking traded. Everyone's going to do their thing. And it's going to be awesome. And uh, yes, I I think uh, it feels good going to bed with a smile on the face from uh, another awesome AEW fucking show. And God, 
that's just AEW's on this run right now with all in, all out, Grand Slam, and now Wrestle Dream, and I just holy fuck. It it it's pretty surreal. And um Edge's first match, it sounds like it's gonna be title Tuesday next week against Luchasaurus. So that makes sense. He speared his ass, right? But uh so Edge he they're already gonna start the promotion material for him. Throw him on every fucking poster, you name it. Uh, I gotta start calling him Adam. Fuck, it's gonna take a while. Adam, Adam Cage would have been better. But thank you guys for sticking around with us. We got this right about an hour, so that, that's a good timing for a nice post show. And uh, we'll catch you guys uh, for our regularly scheduled programming that'll probably be in your feeds. Whether it's I, fuck, this is technically Monday morning, so it might be Monday night, might be Tuesday night when it's in your feeds. Who knows? You never know how this shit works. But uh, thank you very much for hanging out with us. And we hope you enjoyed this show. So we'll catch you guys on the flip side.